When you love riding a motorcycle, you want to ride it everywhere, even to a physical. Let's check your weight. Hop on the scale. Look at that. You're down a few pounds. Oh, yeah. Must be the new carbon fiber wheels. And when you love saving money, you want to save even more. That's why GEICO makes it easy to bundle your motorcycle and car insurance. I'm going to prescribe 91 octane for your engine knock, and we'll want to see you again in 3,000 miles. Kickstart your savings with GEICO Motorcycle. Bundle and save on the things you love. From the basement of the Bob and Tom Studios, it's that Josh Arnold podcast. Oh, my goodness. How the heck are you? My gosh, hello. Nice to be here. Uh, I think technically a day late, but uh, much like your garbage service, because we had Labor Day on Monday, everything's kind of pushed back a, a day, isn't it? So why not? Uh, boy, but uh, I, I'm glad it worked out this way because yesterday uh, our guest this week was unavailable. But uh, thankfully, uh, they're, they're available today, so it all worked out. And man, oh man, this person really means a lot to me. Uh, very important. Uh, person in the world to many, many people, well-liked, well-loved, and for good reason. My guest this week is you. Oh, my gosh, how are you? You're looking good. I hope you're feeling good as well. Uh, you know, It was a nice long weekend, wasn't it? Uh, Four-day weekend for myself, even though I did end up work. I worked Saturday and Sunday, but I'll get to that in uh, just a little bit. So I hope you enjoyed, uh, I hope you had an extended weekend, and I hope you Enjoyed it. Uh, the sponsor of this week's That Josh Arnold podcast. Oh, I have fond memories of uh, of this sponsor. And I don't currently um, own uh, this sponsor's product, but uh, boy, I will. I will. Sponsoring the show this week, a porch swing. Oh, boy, I love a porch swing. Uh, when I was a kid... My grandparents had a porch swing and um, loved it, loved it. Sit out there, uh, out outdoors on a nice day and lull myself into a peaceful, uh, comfortable uh, ease. <laughs> and uh, especially, you know, sitting out there with my grandma or my grandpa and they're asking questions about my life, and I'm asking questions about theirs, and uh, just really nice visits on a porch swing. I love. I'm an old man when it comes to this stuff. I love things like porch swings. Right now on my porch, I have uh, two rocking chairs, and that's you know it does the same thing essentially. Um, but there is something about the porch swing that's uh, you know the creaking of the chains, and ah uh, oh boy, I will eventually have one and. Uh, I hope, uh, you know, maybe they're not your thing. That's okay. But um, I, uh, if they are, I hope you get to enjoy a porch swing very, very soon. I'd, uh, I, my, my dream is to have one of those houses at some point that has a porch like uh, that goes all the way around the, the house. Man, that uh, just like those old school manners. <laughs> uh, I love that. I, so... I would probably have uh, two porch swings then, um, you know, one to watch the sunrise and one to watch the sunset, essentially. Boy, 
That would be, yeah. You know what? I'll just make that happen. I will will it to happen and work to make it happen. Thank you, Port Swing, for sponsoring uh, the po- the podcast this week. Oh, I got. I'm getting wistful now for visits with my my grandparents. Uh, boy, uh, down here in the basement, um, things are uh, fine. Looks like they're doing some uh, uh, pr- slightly pre-fall cleaning getting some boxes moved around and stuff so the dust is kind of in the air and I can see it. You know, the sun peeks through uh, uh, one of those small, like really tiny windows that's over there. There's only one, and uh, but I can see the dust particles uh, moving through the ray of, of sunlight. And, uh, yeah, it, it, I'm feeling it in my lungs a little bit. What, what do you say we get out of here and hop on aboard the TJA Express? That's right, the Arn Track. The world's only steam-powered monorail. <sighs> and while we're moving, uh, I'll just send a quick thank you to the folks of Cincinnati who came out to the Liberty Funny Bone this past weekend to see my stand-up show. And uh, Jeff Oske was with me, and man, we had a fine time. Just a, a wonderful club, terrific people working there, running the place. Uh, terrific audiences who came out, really good people. Uh, folks brought me uh, some gifts, too. Uh, I'd like to thank Chelsea for my uh, Camp Crystal Lake sign that now proud, proudly hangs in my uh, office and uh, next to my street sign that says Elm Street, so it's perfect. And uh, I was also given, uh, I, I don't know if you guys know this, I have holiday birds at my house, these little birds that are dressed for fall and, and Halloween and Thanksgiving and uh uh, Easter and Christmas. <laughs> I started buying them sort of ironically, and then I grew to actually sort of like them. And uh, uh, I was gifted a uh, a new Christmas bird as well. So thank you so much uh, for that. I um, oh shoot, I don't have your um, uh, boy. I'm a moron, and I don't have your name. Uh, so you know who you are. And, uh, you know, just because I'm forgetting your name right now doesn't mean I don't care. Uh, thank you again for the uh, the wonderful bird. And thanks again to everybody who came out. Man, it was a lot of fun. And I see that we've arrived at our first destination. Oh, one of my favorite spots in the world. Vocabville. Yes. I love Vocabville because it's where we learn uh, about words we may not be familiar with. Or maybe they're words that we've heard of before, but we weren't quite quite uh, clear on their definition. Well, this is a fun one today. It's glabrous, uh, and it's spelled G-L-A-B-R-O-U-S. Glabrous, glabrous, and um, I I believe it's glabrous, actually. So uh, it's an adjective that means, quite simply, bald. That's right. Lacking in hair. So, uh... I'm sure you know uh, you have uh, uh, glabrous people in your life. I'm uh, I'm almost one. I would say I'm glabrousing, uh, not not totally bald, but certainly getting there. Glabrous. How about that? So impress your friends and family by uh, by uh, you know if you have uh, a loved one who's glabrous or a friend, you can say, uh, "Oh, it's my favorite glabrous person." Uh, joining me, and uh, what, what does that mean? And you, well, it means bald. <laughs> they might not be thrilled, but uh, you'll learn them something. Glabrous, bald. 
Uh, how majestic is the Globrus Eagle that soars? <laughs> I don't know if it would count that way, but uh, uh, yes, Globrus. And you know, maybe it's more polite to, uh, than than bald. If you walked up to somebody and said, "Boy, are you bald?" They might go, "Hey, what the hell?" But if you walk up and go, "Boy, are you Globrus?" They might, um, uh, you know, sort of act like they knew what it meant and and uh, go, oh, well, "Why, thank you very much. I'm going to take that as a compliment." <laughs> I hope you get to use Globris sometime. In fact, make a point of it to use Globris sometime uh, this week. Uh, oh, and uh, we're cruising on down the tracks here again. Ah, boy, that fresh air. Now, I can feel it through my remaining hair. For those who are truly Globris, you may not. But I'm sure the breeze feels good on your pate. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. Now, if you're totally globrous, the hair is not standing up on the back of your neck like it is for me right now. Why? Because here we are in Fearville. That's right. Now, I know it's ominous sounding, but I think we've all learned that Fearfield is not a bad place to be. It's just where we learn about certain phobias uh, and things like that. Today's phobia that we're going to talk about here in Fearfield is very common, uh, but you may not be aware of what it's called. But boy, is this a, uh, a good one. And, and I, I'm almost certain you know somebody who, who has this, who suffers from this affliction. The phobia this week is coolrophobia. Coolrophobia. Now, this is not a fear of being cool. My gosh, can you imagine if I had that? I'd have to be a totally different person. I, uh, I'm, my cool is off the charts. I, I, I can't imagine being afraid of uh, oneself like that. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, coolrophobia. And some of you, I'm, I, you already know this, don't you? Because maybe you're a sufferer or you know somebody who is. Coolrophobia is the fear of clowns. That's right. And this is a widespread phobia. I would guess this is in top, top five phobias. That people have. One of my best friends suffers from coolrophobia. By the way, if you're interested, it's C-O-U-L-R-O phobia. And um, uh, I don't know the etymology of it. I, I started looking it up and I couldn't really get a straight answer. That's kind of what, you know, hasn't that become the problem sometimes with looking up facts now? You have to weed through a bunch of other things um, <laughs> before you can actually get to, to the actual answer. Um but boy, good luck looking up the uh, the uh, trying to verify some news story. That's got to. It's almost impossible. I mean, I've, I have given up on that. <laughs> I just uh, a few months ago I went. I'm out. Uh, I, I, I'm out. Uh, the news is not for me. Uh, if something important is happening, I'm sure I'll hear about it. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's working out pretty well actually. So, uh, coolrophobia. Uh, what is it? What is it about the clown that terrifies us so much? I mean, they really can be creepy, and I'm not a coolrophobe. Um, but they can certainly be scary. I mean, I know uh, uh, there are scary clowns in pop culture, of course. You've got Pennywise, which might be the most terrifying uh, clown. In fact, Stephen King uh, uh, is uh, purportedly a coolrophobe, and um, he must have been creeping himself out to no end writing that character. 
And uh, you've also got the killer clowns from outer space, if you're lucky enough to have seen that cinematic masterpiece. Uh, that's a fun one. <laughs> but uh, you've got the clown in uh, Poltergeist, that clown doll. But yes, people can be very, I mean, even harmless clowns really frighten people. So I wonder what it's about. Like when you really get deep into the psychology of it. Is it the fact that their faces are obscured in such a cartoonish manner um, or that they're loud and abrasive with their honking horns and their squirting flowers and their giant shoes and they're running around sort of erratically and uh, they're always out to trick or surprise? Is it? it yeah, uh, there's uh, there is like something very unsettling about a person who, whose features are disguised acting uh maniacally sort of. <laughs> i mean i mean i guess uh on the surface level it is sort of obvious why people would be creeped out by clowns but the whole thing is they're meant to be they're meant to spread joy they're meant to make people laugh I look at sid Haig's character in the uh <laughs> the rob zombie trilogy house of a thousand corpses and uh three from hell uh the devil's rejects the second one i mean i he even says, he looks at one kid and says, uh, don't you think we're funny? I mean, I'm paraphrasing. But he goes, how come you don't like clowns? Don't you think, aren't we funny? <laughs> he says it a little more <laughs> brashly uh, than, than I did. But, uh, and at that moment, no. Uh, we, I certainly don't think you're funny. <laughs> you're, you're terrifying. <laughs> Boy, what an interesting phobia. That's really widespread, I think. Cholrophobia. Boy. Um, if you suffer from it, and uh, somebody wrote in, Brad, he actually wrote in with this, said his old, oldest daughter suffers from it, and he uh, he goes to, uh, um, he, he likes to tease her, I think. <laughs> if, if not, Brad, what are you doing? I mean, you got to uh, every now and again hide a clown doll uh, in her room or something, but uh, or maybe not. Maybe it could be really uh, traumatizing. <laughs> anyway, what a good... Uh, what a good uh, phobia. Uh, thank, uh, nice trip here to Fearfield. And I'm sure we'll be back to Fearfield very, very soon. As we head back to the basement, there's something I'd like to tell you about. Something that uh, my producer, uh, Jason, uh, suggested I listen to. And I did. And I got to tell you, I absolutely loved it. It's another podcast. Uh, I've only heard this one episode. But I'm going to listen to more because I think the host is a fascinating man. It's the Tim Ferriss Show. And I listened to episode number 485 where he interviews Jerry Seinfeld. And it's about an hour and a half long. And I'm going to tell you this. It's the most informative, accurate, um, and, uh, boy, entertaining podcast on stand-up comedy I've ever heard. There is a glut of podcasts out there about stand-up comedy. I mean, we uh, look. There seems to be a voracious appetite for uh, uh, people wanting to learn about the the craft of stand-up and how people do it and uh, what kind of pe- person it takes to do it and and uh, that kind of thing. Um, I. Uh, I think there are more comedy podcasts than there are comedy fans. <laughs> That's just my opinion. And I have been on a handful and I have listened to uh, more than my fair share. And this 
episode of The Tim Ferriss Show with Jerry Seinfeld is the end-all, be-all of comedy podcasts. Everything Jerry has to say, in uh, my opinion, dead on regarding stand-up comedy. I mean, now, some of the insight he gives into how he operates, how he writes, how he rewrites, how he uh, takes, uh, you know, how he works... Um, a, a different than mine, but that that doesn't really matter. The specifics of that don't matter. He speaks so well about the work and the craft and the art that you, uh, I think it's, like as I said, the end-all be-all. You never have to listen to another podcast about stand-up if you don't want to. Uh, this is great. If you have any interest in stand-up comedy, if you're a fan of Jerry's, uh, if you're not a fan of Jerry, I mean, just... Check this one out. Again, it's episode number 485, and I give you that number so that it's easier for you to scroll through and and locate. It's terrific. And this Tim Ferriss gentleman, obviously incredibly bright. Jerry's very at ease talking to him. In fact, at one point, you know, Tim kind of starts to wrap things up, and Jerry goes, no, 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 let's keep going. I'm having fun. Well, that's the ultimate compliment. If your guest goes, no, no, uh, I've got time, especially a guy like Seinfeld <laughs> who uh, doesn't need to be doing it. He just really loves he loves what he's talking about. He's having fun with, with Tim. Oh, man, give this thing a listen. It flies. I, I have a feeling this is going to be one of those things I listen to every six months uh, just to just as a nice positive reminder. Um, Seinfeld's also part of something I watch uh, every six months. It's a, an older documentary called Comedian, and he's he's uh, essentially the main focus. Um, uh, Orny Adams is the other sort of the the flip side to Jerry's story in that, so he's also a main focus. But uh, and he's a, a terrific comedian as well. Um, but he was at a different level when Comedian was made. If you haven't seen that documentary, check it out. You'll learn a lot about uh, comedians. You may learn more than you want. The, the the one issue I have with that documentary is you don't see a lot of the the fun side of stand-up. It's a lot of about the the blood, sweat, and tears. Um, so it doesn't show a, a lot of the laughter. There's there's some, but it really is about the, the blood, sweat, and tears. Um, and uh, to a certain extent, so is this Tim Ferriss podcast, but... Man, oh man, I I loved it. I could listen to Seinfeld talk about comedy all day. And that's another reason that I really recommend this episode uh, over other stand-up comedian podcasts. Is <laughs> because if you're going to learn, if you want to learn about stand-up and you want to listen, uh, you know, either you're interested in trying it yourself or you just want to know about that 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 world, that universe, don't you want to hear it from the guy who's the best at it? <laughs> don't you want to hear about about that universe from one of the most successful comedians of all time. And uh, not just, I mean, obviously financially, but also in terms of uh, his, his output of work, um, the quality of work, uh, how it's tested, how it's lasted, you know, uh, it's time tested. I mean, my gosh, you can list, there are, boy, I mean, there have got to be 100,000 podcasts out there where you can listen to uh, up-and-coming comedians talk about their craft. I'd rather listen to the guy who's been doing it for 40-plus years. I, I just would. They, The experience and the knowledge that, that he's accrued 
far outweighs the, uh, I'll be honest, the lack of experience and knowledge that the newer comedians have. I always feel like a uh, a scam artist when I'm on a comedy podcast because I've been doing it for about 12 years, and that's, uh, I mean, relatively speaking, not long. Um, it just isn't. And uh, sure, I've got things to say about it, but whenever I do those podcasts, I always say, hey, look, in my experience, this is how it is. I would never try to go, well, comedians do this, or, uh, well, uh, all comedians should do this, or they do, they, you know what? I, no. I, what do I know? I, I just know what I what I know. I don't know, but Seinfeld knows. I mean, he's a, he's an expert. He's an expert. He lives, <laughs> breathes, and uh, uh, eats comedy. So, yes, uh, I'm going to go ahead and uh, defer to him when it comes to learning about uh, <laughs> stand-up comedy. And I think you should, too. And I also think you'll really, really enjoy it. Uh, what do I have here? An email? Let's see here. Oh, this comes from uh, Gary. Gary Pickle. That's right. Uh, oh, my gosh. I don't know if you remember this, but a while back, I suggested uh, at the end of uh, one of the podcasts that we should all learn a skill that we've been wanting to learn and, uh, you know, give it a shot. Well, Gary did it. He says, I took your advice. I've always wanted to be able to hand sew with a needle and thread. Thanks to YouTube, I'm now a semi-professional seamstress. So I think that means... Uh, Actually, I wonder what the male equivalent of seamstress is. I'm going to I'm going to look this up while I'm talking. So he says uh semi-professional um which suggests to me that sometimes he sews for fun and uh <laughs> other times he gets paid for it. That would be semi-professional. So good for you, Gary. I hope that is the case. A male seamstress, tailor, of course, but this is kind of what I this is the what I was really going for here. Seamster. <laughs> Why not? A seamster. Hmm. I, I think I prefer that to Taylor. <laughs> yeah, I'm a seamster. Huh? <laughs> well, I'm a male seamstress. I'm a seamster. And I'm part of a union, so I'm a teamster seamster. If you laughed at that, you're, you're at the right place. I'll tell you that. So, um, he did it. Good for you, Gary. You know, I used to know how to do that. I did. I used to know how to... Uh, so, with a needle and thread, I learned it in home ec in seventh grade and uh, probably forgot it uh, <laughs> within three months how to, how to like, sew on a button and stuff. And, I, boy, do I wish I knew how to sew on a button. Because uh, I, but, I button, now look, there are a lot of jokes to be made here, all right, about me losing buttons. Let's try to refrain. Let's try to behave ourselves, not go there. <laughs> but uh, I do go through a fair amount of buttons on my shorts. Again, enough with the jokes. Here's why. I think I button my pants wrong, all right? I think what I do is when I go to button like my shorts, I grab the button and pull to the hole, whereas I think I'm supposed to be grabbing sort of the waistband above the button, and then once the button reaches the hole, then touch the button and put it through the hole. I don't do that. I'm, I am pulling from the button, and I think that uh, that's why I lose buttons. Now, am I fooling myself? No, you know what? I'm not fooling myself because here's why. I am overweight, but my waist is not overweight. I am 
a I can honestly wear a 34 pant. I, I can wear a 34 pants or 34 shorts. Um, I have a 34 waist. I prefer a 36, but I can wear a 34 and it's not uncomfortable. Now, if I were to wear my like suit pants, how you're supposed to, I'd be like a 48 or whatever because it would be around my belly, but I don't wear them like that. I always wear them down below my waist. And I, if you've seen my act or you, maybe you've heard me talk about this on the big show, I, I call myself a half-fat man because below my belly, there is no – I don't have any fat. <laughs> my, I have the waist of a thin man. <laughs> I have the waist of a thin man, and I uh, – uh, so I can uh, – so my, my shorts are not – I'm not losing buttons because I'm, I'm too big down there. Well – uh, the waste. All right. Again, let's try to refrain from uh, any any sort of uh, jokes. But uh, <laughs> I think I am losing them because I pull on them, and uh, I need to know. I yeah, I just need to, you know what? I'll do what you did, Gary. You went to YouTube. You learned. I'm gonna do it too. All right. I am going to uh, relearn how to sew with a needle and thread. And uh, you know, you know what I would really like to do? I would like to take home mech again. I would like to learn, uh, I'd like to go through a semester, take some adult home ec class. Wouldn't that be cool? You can go in, you learn how to uh, sew on a button, you learn how to uh, maybe like hang a picture correctly, you learn, and, I, and that's something I can do, I, 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 I can do, but wouldn't it be cool to sort of go back, learn how to properly clean an oven, <laughs> or... Uh, um, learn how to uh, light a pilot light. I mean, this would be true home economics. Doing things around the house yourself. Uh, l- learning how how to do them with economy. And uh, I-, I think it would be terrific. Learning how to iron. I mean, look, again, these are all skills that I've I've picked up. But just a refresher course and some things. Like, what would I like to know? Like, man, because I have learned a lot now that I, I've had a house for three years. Um, I've just taught myself how to do a lot of things. Um, but I'm trying to think of what else I would really like to know. But I'd, but there, think about all the stuff you don't know with, with your house and that maybe the, stu- the stuff that uh, somebody you live with doesn't know. Like, could you look at anybody in your house and go, hey, will you go change the filter in the air conditioning? Uh would everybody be able to know how to do that? Once you learn, it takes you 10 seconds. But, and we've talked about this on the morning show before, how there should be basic life skill courses taught in school instead of some of the things that are taught. I think shop class should be mandatory. I think home ec should be mandatory. And I think there should also be a uh, basic financial class that that is mandatory how to i took one of those actually i was so poor i was so bad in math uh, uh, because i hated it and so uh you may know this about me once i realize i don't like something i don't even try (laughs) i just bail i don't care i go this i have no interest in this i'm not doing it so i was flunking algebra two and uh um thankfully i had a great i had a teacher who loved me and uh um, I, I, so she let me be like her te- like her assistant and I got credit for the course, but I eventually the next, I forget what was coming after algebra two. Um, 
I don't know if it was trig or what. But instead of doing that, they went, we have something called, uh, oh, man, I wish I could remember the name. It was something like remedial mathematics or something. And all it was was uh, how to balance a checkbook and how to budget per month. And think, and it was one of the greatest classes I ever took. And, I, and it was for, and I, I, look, I'll be frank, it was for the dumber kids. I mean, it was a bunch of misfits in there. By the way, when I say that, I say it lovingly. Many of my best friends and favorite people were in that class. <laughs> but boy, if you tried to, if you had us try to do our, our uh, you know, fifty-four uh, times twenty-seven, we would all struggle. Like it would be a. Th- but we learned how to do things that a lot of people who could do algebra two get A's in couldn't do. We man, I mean, and and it was stuff that would like we were going to use later in life. I loved that class. That should be for every student, not just the misfits. <laughs> now, I don't know that they would teach, uh, you know, how to balance a checkbook anymore. Um, but they would they would probably teach things like, uh, they would probably teach, I, I would hope that they would teach you about student loans and interest and uh, bank accounts and accrued interest and compound interest and all that stuff. Taxes. How is there not a class about taxes when you're a kid. I mean, maybe you learn about it in civics or you learn a little bit about it in some math course. But man, oh man, I mean, all this stuff, these should be mandatory. Uh, what? Uh, now, the question then is, well, what do you get rid of? Uh, I don't know. Um, does every kid need to learn chemistry? And, and I'm, not, I'm not suggesting that they don't. I'm just, I'm really asking. Does every kid need to know algebra too? Does every kid need to learn Spanish? I think we could find a way. Um, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I think some of that stuff that's... Uh, in my school, you had to take two years of uh, a foreign language. You had to. Well, what if you didn't? What if you could take a foreign language? Um, what if it was more of an elective? I, I think it should be. And if we're honest... Uh, do, do we really need, you know, Spanish? Uh, yeah, uh, Americans could use quite often. German and French. Uh, these days, we may want to consider if you're going to have mandatory foreign language, maybe Mandarin. <laughs> we maybe we want to. Uh, we might want to think a little bit more about the future. <laughs> uh, but yes, anyway. Uh, <laughs> um. I don't know. I, I loved all that stuff. I loved shop. Loved it. Look, does every kid need gym even? Um, I was a uh, I was an awkward, uh, uncoordinated, chubby kid. Was was gym going to turn me into a terrific athlete? It wasn't. Would I have been better off spending extra time in a uh, shop class learning? Basic tools, uh, skills, woodworking skills, uh, metal skills. I think so. I mean, I think it's okay to look at a kid and go, hey, you're not good at this. You're never going to be good at it. Let's go ahead and put you somewhere where you can really focus on a skill that you have and that you want to continue. Well, physical fitness is important for kids. Yeah, it is. But uh, I don't know. Couldn't we also be saving uh, people a lot of emotional <laughs> stress? <laughs> I mean, there are a lot of kids out there that gym is just 
oh, the most painful thing they can go through. Man, oh, man. Uh, it was for me at times. You kidding me? Um, and I had skinny phases, like a, a fair amount of them. I was like uh, the uh, I was like the Rob Thomas of my high school. I'd be fat for two months, and then thin for two months, and then fat again. <laughs> so, uh, and even in my skinny day, I couldn't run a mile faster than nine minutes. I just wasn't. It just wasn't my thing. Get me out of here. Put me in another. Put me somewhere else where I can do something that I that makes me feel good. That I'm good at. I don't know. I'm not trying to uh, dismantle the school system and rebuild it, but uh, there, uh, boy, they're, 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 I think there are different ways here. I don't think every class is important to every kid. I really don't. Gee, I, I, maybe I'm uh, a moron. But what I do think is important are things like shop. Things like home economics, things like, uh, you know, I guess it's all, it's it's a well-rounded education is important, but there has to come a point. I mean, does every kid have to take music class every year? What if they suck? We're just going <laughs> to, you know what I mean? If you can't carry a tune to save your life, get that kid out of there. They're not learning anything. They're not going to get better. Find out what that kid really wants to do. Now, now, if that kid is bad at singing but they love it, keep them in. Let them be in there. But if they're bad at it and they're embarrassed and they hate it, get them out of there and let them that hour go to go to an extra art class if that's their thing. Or go do give them a, a study hall, anything else besides wasting everyone's time. I'm just not a big fan of. Uh, I'm 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 much more a fan of electives. Let let people choose. Um, I, I don't know. That said, uh, boy, I loved uh, those electives that I did love. I sure loved them. That's what was fun for me in school. Well, I guess that's you know that may sound obvious, and th- and that's how it is for all of us. We all. Boy, when you were interested in something, it doesn't. It didn't feel like homework. It didn't. It, it, boy, you looked forward to going to the class, learning more about it. I loved my shop classes, man. Loved them. Was I the best woodworker? No. No, I wasn't. Um, but I sure loved it. And uh, I would love to, uh, to take a shop class now. I, <laughs> I would just adore it. And I know that they're out there, and I've actually met some people who run adult uh, shop classes, like these weekends, where you go, hey, I'm going to make this bench, or I'm going to make this chair, and that's what you do for the weekend. And I have been invited to go to one of those, and I'm going to do it. It's, it there's, there's, some in, there's one in Iowa in particular that I'm going to go do at some point, and uh, I think it'll just be a blast and learn a lot, too, and... Um, uh, I remember one shop class I had. It was in junior high. Um, oh, I hope I can remember this gentleman's name. Uh, boy, oh boy, it was. Uh, hmm. I, I I can't. I apologize. I have since heard that he passed away, uh, but he was one of my favorite teachers because. <laughs> and by the way, this guy would not have lasted 
uh, in, in today's standards, he would have been fired <laughs> really early on. Because what he would do, he was an ex-cop, and uh, he knew a lot. He taught us a lot. He taught us a ton about uh, woodworking and drafting and uh, and uh, how to operate you know, the machinery, all kinds of things, and uh, different types of wood. He really was knowledgeable, and he really did like teaching us. But he was... <laughs> It was one of those teachers where if you misbehaved, he would throw a book at you. <laughs> I'll never forget. He was telling this one kid to be quiet. The kid kept talking. <laughs> and the, he, the teacher was at the board. I, boy, I am, I'm bummed out. I cannot remember his name. I'll have to call my brother and ask him what, what, what this guy's name was. But he was... Uh, Big and burly and uh, kind of overweight, and he was balding. And, uh, uh, man, he, he was always so funny. And he uh, – <laughs> but he was at the board writing uh, about something. <laughs> and this kid wouldn't shut up, and finally – the teacher turned around and whipped the piece of chalk at the kid, and it hit the kid right in the face. <laughs> and the kid goes, ah! And the teacher goes, I told you to shut up. <laughs> and, and you know what? None of us flinched. It was just like, oh, yeah, that's how this is in this, in this class. I don't think that would fly today. Well, first off, it wouldn't be chalk. It would probably be a dry erase marker or whatever. <laughs> and uh, uh, I don't think a teacher could get away with it now. But we didn't. That, I mean, back then, and that wasn't that long ago. That was like in 93, 94. Uh, it was, yeah. If you talk in like if I had gone home, if that had been me, and I had gone home and be like, ah, oh, man, the teacher threw a piece of chalk at me because I was talking, my dad would have been like, well, quit talking. <laughs> That's what you get for talking when you're not supposed to. So <laughs> this guy was also great because he would tell us old cop stories. And this is another reason why he probably wouldn't last long in today's climate uh, <laughs> because the, he, he held nothing back. These stories were as graphic and uh, <laughs> and uh, vile as anything you've ever heard. Now he didn't use uh, I you know I heard him use uh, cuss words a couple times in anger, but he didn't use them while telling the stories. But there was a, I remember one time he he accidentally like smashed his finger <laughs> with a hammer and he yelled the f word. And I I mean I laughed for twenty minutes. I was what was I uh, fifteen or something and. Uh, or four, I don't remember, but I'm just howling. So he, uh, <laughs> um, I remember one time we were, he was, because if we were good and like we had time left in class, we could go, will you tell us a story? And he, and he would happily do it. Well, <laughs> one time he decided to tell us a story about, uh, what did he, oh, <laughs> I don't even, I mean, I'm a little uncomfortable talking about it on this podcast. Uh, and here he was telling young these young men there were there were no now that I think about it that sh that particular shop class no girls it was all dudes and I and that was not done on purpose I don't think any girls signed up for th in this particular class that hour of that semester there, it was only guys so he really was like I mean honestly he could probably get away with a little bit more um, because it was all dudes. Um, I've had, I had other shop classes in school where of course it was a, it was a co-ed, but this one, it just, it, it was not done uh, on purpose. It just turned out, it just ended up that there were no girls in that class. 
So he starts telling us the story about how he he got called to uh, this public park where there were um, Johnny on the spot. We call them Johnny on the spots, but they were the porta the porta potties or whatever. <laughs> there were they had been receiving reports of a man who was who had climbed down into the porta potty. Because that's what he liked. He liked <laughs> he liked being down in the tank while people used the porta potty. That was his thing. That's what he uh, he enjoyed it. And, uh, <laughs> and so we're all grossed out and like and and just fascinated. We'd never heard of such a thing. And I'll never forget the phrase uh, the teacher used that that still makes me laugh to this day. He goes, "Yep, yeah, he liked it. So he was just down there, you know." Getting it hot off the press. <laughs> and I remember laughing so hard at that at that day. And when I think back, I, that still makes me howl. Man, oh, man. Uh, yeah, no, I can't imagine a teacher telling a story like that to uh, a bunch of kids now. <laughs> Even if it is all boys in the class. Uh, uh, man, oh, man. So uh, anyway, that was such a... Such a fun class. What did I make that year? That year I made a uh, a birdhouse, a cedar birdhouse. And uh, cedar was the wrong choice. I love cedar because I love the smell of it. I love the look of it. Man, there's nothing like planing uh, uh, cedar. Uh, the, a plane, you know what that is. It's like uh, uh, this, it, it's kind of long and it's got a razor type thing on it. And you just slide it across the surface of the wood. Whatever. Oh, do you believe this? Unbelievable. Uh, <laughs> anyway, look up a plane if you don't know what it is. And uh, the smell, those cedar shavings. Oh, but uh, a little too heavy for a birdhouse, I found out. it. Uh, we hung it uh, from the tree. When I, I was finished, I was very proud of it. I showed my parents. They were, uh, oh, my gosh, you did a fine job here. We filled it with seed, hung it from a branch. The branch snapped, and the birdhouse fell to the ground and broke. <laughs> so... Uh, uh, you know, I went, oh, man, um, fixed it as best I could with some glue, and then it just sat on the deck banister the rest of its life. It didn't uh, hang from a tree anymore. But uh, <laughs> uh, one, I almost lost a thumb in shop class. Uh, it was the very first shop class I'd ever taken, and um, I was making a wall sconce. Uh, I forget what wood I was using, um, and... I was using a bandsaw, and so, uh, and and I had been taught by uh, the teacher. That teacher's name was Mister Yuka, and we used to. He was crazy tall. He was like six seven or something, and uh, he had this booming voice. Um, he uh, eventually became vice principal, but when I had when I knew him, he was a shop teacher, and he um, we would we would always sing. Uh, My name is Yuka. I live on the second floor. <laughs> <laughs> which he never found amusing. And so, uh, and he had taught us a really good rule when working with with tools. Let the saw do the work. You don't have to push the wood into the saw. You slide it and then kind of let the saw take it. You don't have to. Now, you, you do need to guide it and you do need to apply some pressure. Uh, uh, otherwise, if the wood stop, I mean, yeah, you can get some kickback and stuff like that if you don't. But you don't have to 
jam the wood into the saw. You don't you don't want to push that hard. Let the saw do do most of the work. So I'm at a bandsaw and uh, I'm I'm cutting wood and I don't know if I hit a knot in the wood, but it got real tough and it wasn't moving through the saw. So man, did I I started really pushing and. The shop teacher, he, Yuka was so good, he didn't have to see that some of this stuff was happening. He could hear it. because I mean, you can tell. When somebody's, you can the sound of a, a saw taking wood and the sound of somebody pushing wood into a saw, they're different. It would go from zzz to like I mean, you can, you can imagine. Some of you are well familiar with what that's like. So every now and again, you'd hear somebody really jamming wood and he would go, Stop pushing it! <laughs> he would just yell, and then and then you could hear the saw uh, relax. Well, I'm really pushing this wood in, and uh, the wood snapped. It snapped. Um, the edge that I was cutting was wasn't very thick. The wood snapped. My thumb flew off the piece of wood and went right into the bandsaw. I mean, it it was as though I just taken my thumb, like I was hitchhiking, turned it to the side, and just pressed it up against the saw blade. <laughs> My thumb just flew into the saw blade and it cut really, really deep. It went, uh, I think if, boy, I, and I really, I, I'm not trying to gross anybody out here, but if you were to spread open the the wound, um, I, I, I you, you could maybe, I mean, it was really close to the bone is what I'm trying to say. It was really deep. And the poor kid next to me, Steve was his name. <laughs> so my thumb flies into the saw. Uh, I I pull it away. And I don't know how, how I can't tell how deep the cut is. Blood is everywhere. And I, I look over at Steve, and he was as wide as a ghost. His eyes were so wide, and he started to fall to the ground. He was <laughs> like he was he was as close to fainting as uh, I've ever seen somebody who didn't actually faint. And uh, he got real weak, and he started to go to the ground. I look at my thumb. I can't tell how deep the cut is because of how much blood there is. And I grab my thumb, and I walk over to Yuka, and uh, he sees me, and he just goes, go to the nurse. <laughs> uh, so I, I'm taking my, uh, my – I'm holding my thumb, and I'm uh, walking quickly uh, through the school hallways. This was the last, I remember this was the last hour of my day, seventh hour, and uh, blood is just dripping all over the floor, <laughs> and I go to the uh, the nurse, and she's like, oh my gosh, uh, you know, she's she's uh, quite astounded at uh, the injury, and uh, she uh, put like a butterfly bandage on it, and something else, I, I think she put like some sort of adhesive in the wound and kind of held it together, cleaned me up. And I didn't feel a thing. It didn't hurt at all. At all. I mean, I didn't feel anything. Well, come to find out, uh, I was either in some some sort of shock or I, I don't know exactly. But once she bandaged it and, um, I, you know, no stitches. I, I didn't get stitches in it. Um, it was really deep. But she was able to, she just did whatever she did and uh, bandaged it. And it healed up fine. I still have a scar. And when I rub my thumb, uh, I can feel like I can feel the scar. I can feel where the cut was and everything, and it is visible still. Not crazy, but it's there. 
Uh, but anyway, it's after it was bandaged and like I got home and everything, because I just rode the bus home and uh, um, got home and explained to my parents what had happened and all that. Uh, it started to hurt so bad, and it was <laughs> it was really really painful for uh, quite a few days. So uh, how it didn't. I mean, the way I, the, with the force with which I slammed my thumb into that saw blade was so strong. And I, I, I know Steve thought I lost it. I kind of thought I lost it at first, too. Because, you know, things like this happen so quickly, but they feel longer in your head. And in my head, I was like, well, you did it. You, you cut off your thumb. <laughs> but no, everything's good. Uh, but for a slight scar. Uh, and it was my fault. I, I did not do what I was told. I was really jamming. The wood in there, and I tell you what, I Yuka may have uh, um, been like uh, sort of happy, uh, meaning uh, he never had to tell another student in that class not to jam wood into the saw blade <laughs> because I uh, an example had been set, and uh, boy, uh, yeah. Anyway, ended up finishing the sconce and. Uh, it hung in uh, our bathroom at home for quite quite a while there. I don't know where it is now, but uh, ah, I sure enjoyed shop, and uh, I you know, I, I fear that it's not offered uh, many in many schools at all anymore, and uh, it does kind of make me sad. I think I think they're. Uh, I mean, look, jobs like that will never go away. Woodworkers, metal workers. Um, Things like that. Like, think about. Uh, do you think bricklay, that bricklaying, that that job will cease to be complete? I don't. I don't. I, there will. Oh, you'll. will always need plumbers. We'll always need electricians. We'll always need uh, brick and mortar workers. Well, masons is what I was looking for there. We'll always need uh, folks who can lay carpet who can build the frames of houses. I mean, manual labor will never go away. And uh, uh, it's it's one of the reasons why if I had kids, you know, looking to go into college, I would maybe go, you know what, if, if you're interested, uh, there are many fine trade schools out there. The guys who I knew went to trade school, by the time they were 20, were making like, $70,000 a year. And as a 20 as a 20 year old, I was blown away. I knew a guy who went to trade school and he became a mason and he was making six figures uh by the time he was 21. And I we, we were I was baffled. Just like, "Oh my gosh, if you love doing that stuff and and you I mean, because there were jobs right out of the box and good paying jobs and um Maybe that's a you know maybe that's rare that somebody was making that much uh, as like a, a first or second year mason or whatever. But I mean he was, so I have to assume other people can too. But uh, nothing wrong at all with a good uh, going to trade school and and, and really learning uh, a trade. It's important. We we need you, and if it's something you love, my gosh, go after it. Well, why don't we go ahead and wrap things up with a little what to work on this week. Ah, happy music because this should be a happy thing. Now, this one may sound a little like a chore, and it is, but it's something I'm going to do this week. And I'd like you to join me 
We all have areas in our uh, homes or at work that get a little cluttered, don't we? We've got junk drawers, or we've got a desk that's uh, got stacks of paper and things on it. I say whatever area is bothering you at work or at home that you uh, have always, that you know, you look at and you go, I really need to clean that up. Let's do it this week. Let's clean up a cluttered area of our lives at some point this week. I think you're going to feel better about it. I know I will. I always do. And, uh, yes, scratch that. It's, it's been nagging at you. Well, now it won't because you'll have done it. You'll have cleaned up a little bit of clutter, and I think you'll feel pretty good about it. And maybe it'll be a new workspace for you, for you to build your own cedar birdhouse. Or, hell, for you to uh, write a poem or, or paint something or, uh, you know, even just sit back, sit down, uh, get on your laptop or your phone and play a game. Just a nice little space for you. Uh, I know I'm going to do that, and I would like for you as well. Hey, a couple quick uh, shameless plugs. Um, Alexandria, Indiana, September 11th, Saturday night. It will be Greg Warren and me. And uh, one of our best friends, Sean O'Brien, will be hosting the show at the Alex Theater. You can go to uh, the Alex Theater, or I'm sorry, you can go to alexmovietheater.com, and that's theater, T-H-E-A-T-R-E. It's one of those fancy theaters. Or you can always go to thatjoshearnold.com, go to my schedule. There are links to tickets there. You can get tickets for Alexandria, Indiana, the Alex Theater, Saturday, September 11th. Greg Warren, Josh Arnold, Sean O'Brien. It's going to be a lot of fun. And then the week after, Toledo, the Funny Bone. Jeff Oske and I will be there that Friday and Saturday. Again, tickets available at thatjoshearnold.com. More shows being scheduled and more shows already scheduled. Coming up, Iowa, a lot of Iowa dates, Peoria, Illinois, Bloomington, Indiana. Fort Wayne, Indiana, a lot of great stuff. So I'll keep you guys all abreast on that. And I don't want you to forget that Labor Day is really a goodbye.